I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Rolling. I'm rolling. I'm rolling my ta- uh oh. Did I press a button? No, I'm good. You hey, press Brad. the right you press the right button. Aw. I press <laughs> the right buttons for you. You better. Brad, I think we'd make I think we'd make a good older couple if things broke that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could we'd um, probably have yeah, we'd have fun. It's important that, you know, I think that we uh, compliment one another. We don't really compete anywhere. That's true. You're a fucking great drummer that I, you know, anytime Thanks, I have that in the house, I'll be, I'm happy. <laughs> in, oh, so I'm getting used for in-house <laughs> drum licks. Don't you know, see, this is where I can still get one over on you because you're older. You know, if you're like 19, you're like, what's a drummer? I have these sample pads that sound great. <laughs> you actually think you need a full human in your house with a drum set yeah. still, you know? Yeah, it's the way to go. I love that. I love that. I'm John Henry, man. Told you. I'm fighting the machines. See, even as we're saying this, I imagine like Fat Mike making fun of me. <laughs> he was he baited you, didn't he? Oh yeah. He he got in a that I knew I knew from the start. The second I booked this interview, I'm like, All right, breathe deep. This could be trouble. You know? And I thought for the most part he was on his best behavior, but there was a couple times when I think he took something I was saying as challenging or baiting and then had to, he has to take your pants down. It's he's, kind of his thing. He's you know? one of those guys. He can't go for too long. I could, I could even sense when it was going too long and he needed to, he needed to yeah, say something. Break it up. Yeah. Just break it it's, up. It's yeah. the way he is. I think he practiced some restraint to tell you the truth, you know? <laughs> yeah, he might've, this is where, so this is where I just don't understand it as like an East coast person. You know what I mean? Because, like, you can't really, like, act like that all the time. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? You, you might you might have a few more problems than Mike's had in his life if you were acting like that in New York City the whole time. Right. And I'm, like, a sensitive guy, you know, but not sensitive where I want to cry, sensitive where I hear it and then I kind of, like, want to fight someone. Right. So, like, uh, it is hard sometimes showing like personal restraint in those situations. I'm like, all right, I'm in an interview. We got to get the best out of him here. I want the best stuff we can get. 
But I even think you could probably tangibly hear a point in this interview where I'm actually a little bummed out. Uh, you because I'm too I'm too sensitive for guys <laughs> like this. I am. I can't. I don't have the right skin. You start saying something about one of my friends. I'm just like, wait, what? You know, and then like I get, you know, and then I get upset and I'm like, ah, oh, he's doing this on purpose. Yeah. Because he knows he can do it. And he's like smarter than me right now. Yeah. You know, or or like when, you know, when I say by accident, Noah Chomsky and he's like, no, Benny, Noam Chomsky. That's what it is. I'm like, all right, fucking Harvard all of a sudden, you know, you know, you wrote punk and Drublick, right? Oh, I forgot that. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, oh, now I'm in an academic quarrel, too. Like, where the fuck did that come from, you know? But it happened so fast in the moment. That's why I, I got off this interview and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm OK. Oh, it, I'm really not. It took me like two days to recover from this interview. Oh, my God. Dead Benny. serious. Dead it, fucking it, serious. It, honestly, you don't hear it. It's you handled it very well. And thank you. I think it's kind of hilarious that that Mike. I really do too. Get your skin like that. There's not a lot of people, man. There really <laughs> isn't. Like, there's not a lot of people who could do. It's just this particular kind of thing that he's just. Yeah, he's got me, man. Um and it's funny because that's like kind of how our relationship started, you know, is like we had a million mutual friends. Right. Uh, I had started hanging out with like the no effects crew and stuff on festivals, all good guys. Yeah. Like their whole posse was really cool. And then we'd start having some face to faces. But literally like right after I'm or right literally during when I met the guy, my current manager was suing Fat Records. Right. Right. So. So you that know, adds ammo just, to it for sure. Of course, of <laughs> course. Like so, literally every time I'd see the guy, I'd be like, "Oh, Benny, right? yeah, yeah." You know, I fucking hate your manager, right? <laughs> and and this is why. You go on to like a five minute thing, and I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Don't even want to know anything about. It. I don't know. You know, I don't know." And then uh, and then he'd start being cool, you know. But it was always like the quick like undressing first you know you know i think mike is one of those people who actually feels uncomfortable around nice guys and you're a nice guy benny is that what it is yeah i think that's actually like that's a thing you know because he can't shake my niceness yeah he's just uncomfortable he's maybe he feels dirty <laughs> <laughs> oh i bet if i wonder if after that interview he just got latexed up because he felt so dirty <laughs> So, I mean, I learned a lot about BDSM and his interest in it. I mean, I think that's obviously such a big part of his life right now. You can't can't get through much without talking to him about it. But it's pretty fascinating, really, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, if you obviously um, if you enjoy this interview, you will go back and listen to our first Fat Mike interview. which right. There's a lot of that going on, and pretty much that's all that was going on. And that was an amazing day to begin with. And I think, you know, uh, I may actually have some really good bonus content. Oh, that's cool. Some video, actually, that maybe, maybe we'll, I'll we'll give put that it on the, the Patreon. Put it on Patreon. So I think yeah, I don't know that I go. can get away with just throwing it up on YouTube. But um, oh, racy. So we'll see. Brad, you have any? Do you have any? history and bdsm oh god uh, no as i said <laughs> and i'm not even kidding honestly not only do i enjoy sex i'm fine with sure right you know i mean we've all had like that wacky girl once or twice who might have felt a little uncomfortable with 
Um, <laughs> and I don't need, honestly, I'm, and I felt uncomfortable in those situations, you know, right. girls With are like rough. Pu- pushing the boundaries on you. Um, but the, also the other thing like that I, w- that I was really thinking about was <laughs> this quote, my cousin Doug from Tennessee, he's like, <laughs> we're talking beers and he likes good beer, but I really like IPAs. And I was, we were going to buy some beer and I'm, I grabbed a couple of sixes and he goes, yeah, he goes, I like an IPA every now and then, but you know, problem with the IPA, once you go there, you can't really go back. <laughs> Meaning like, it's like drinking strong coffee. You drink IPAs and then you, you pop a lager and it's just like, it tastes bland, you know? You can't well, really, it's hard to go back from... Uh, I, but some people just want the simpler life and they're comfortable with that. You oh, know? and there's nothing wrong with it. And in fact... You know what I want in a beer? I want it cold and I want it thin and a little bit tasteless because that's what I connect beer with. I have an IPA. I feel like I just ate a fucking sandwich right. and I, I don't want to have more than two or three. Like, well, there's that what, too. what I physically have to do to get drunk on an IPA just makes me feel like shit. I don't know. I, I don't know how you people do it. It's like, Oh, let me get drunk and eat a loaf of bread at the same time. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, first of all, I don't usually drink more than like two of them at a time. Right. And then I will go to something lighter. But also, it, that's what it is. You know, you can't go back. It's like I was thinking about with the sex. Once you go there, you can't. Can you have vanilla sex? I mean, Mike, he uh, tried to claim that he could, but I don't think it's enough for him, man. I mean, you probably still can, but I guess it's probably done with more like nostalgia. Like you're less like <laughs> right. worked up and more like, oh, I remember this. This is nice. A well, little less like a little less pressure to just have like 30 minutes of nice lovemaking than, uh, you know, having your breasts, you know, tied to the ceiling <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, you know, because I can ima- I guess that's part of it is like sometimes when I hear about stuff like this, I think in my head, I'm like, this is just it's too much work. Right. Exactly. Like, like I don't want to take. <laughs> six hours and calling <laughs> someone over to my house to come yeah, personally. Exactly. Really? You know what I mean? Like I, I just like, I don't know. I don't know even how I could squeeze that in, <laughs> but even, but that same logic lends itself to everything with me. Like I also see well-dressed men on the streets and I go, Oh, I could never do that. Right. How much time does that outfit take? Like right. way too long. And I can't do that. So maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe my lack of BDSM is laziness. Some people like to get, some people it's really important to get involved in process. Uh, Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that goes for the dressing that goes for the BDSM. You know, you're just not one of those guys, Benny, you know, I'll even tell an embarrassing story because I know you like these. (laughs) When I was down in Nashville once recording a Gaslight record, you know, we rented a house and I'm, a, you know, I was always banished to the most isolated part of anywhere because anyone in my band knows, like, I wander around half the night, you know, like keeping people up because I'm an insomniac. So, uh, you know, I'm down there for a couple weeks and I get a gift basket from the old lady. Uh, and one of the things in it, she had gone to some party like a week before where they were giving these out and she gave me a, a flesh uh, Fleshlight. A, flesh, a fleshlight. Yeah. Yeah. So that showed up in my care package, a fleshlight. And I was like, yeah. All right. Like, well, you know, what do you do with this thing? And, you know, I, so you know, I had a lot of time, you know, alone in that basement in the house in Nashville. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, you know. 
and I do it once and it's fine. It feels nice. Right. But there's sort of this like long and elaborate like cleanup process, you know, because it like goes into this thing. Yeah. And then I tried it one more time and I'm like, no. And I just threw the whole thing out. And it was like, I was like, no, like, like, seriously, I'm like, I got I got like five minutes here. You know, I got to take a shower, go do something. I can't clean my own semen out of this weird plastic contraption. Get right me now. the disposable like, fleshlight and we can yeah, talk. Yeah, can't do it, man. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just. I feel you, I, I guess. I guess it's more utilitarian for me. Like the second it's over, I'm not feeling sexy anymore. Now it's just get to work. You know. Uh, I think. I think I'm the same way. Uh, are we prudes? Who cares? Are we squares? Oh, <laughs> uh, we're squares. Ah, eh, whatever. So, should we listen to this interview? It's a good one. I think we should probably just get at it. Okay. Mike. What? Why? Hey, you're two minutes early, dude. You get like, um, you get a going off track award. That never happens. You beat Benny. You don't know that I put the punk in punctual? <laughs> I can't, I can't spell. I can't spell that. What's up, Brad? It's been a while. It has been a while. Do you remember, do you remember the, yeah. the going yeah. off track? <laughs> Raspberries. <laughs> Blackberries. <laughs> that was, um. That was a horrible day, dude. Dude. I knew, I got to say that I knew when, um, when I went to the door and Omar was, was basically your, uh, escort yeah. that it had been a long night. <laughs> Did you know what Soma said to me that night? Did I ever tell you that? No. <laughs> she said some fucked up shit to me. After the show or before? No, the night before. That's why we were so rough. Oh. Yeah. Dude. Mike told me that he puts the punk and punctual Benny. He beat you here by like, well, he beat me, dude. Listen, this all <laughs> makes sense. This is what we even have to tap into in the interview. Yeah. Mike's, Mike's preternatural business sense. Cause he's a Jew. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's we were, just in there. we were going to, we were do. starting to talk about the last podcast. So he showed up with an old friend of mine, Omar, who is not usually, you know, up before 4 PM. And, uh, I knew when Omar was escorting him to that show that it was it had been a long night. <laughs> oh, when, when are we on air? We're rolling. As soon as Benny oh, came on, I started recording. Yeah, we're good. So, Benji, uh, when uh, when did you leave Good Charlotte? Um, in two thousand nine. Yeah. When um, they told me we were going to do like a. A little bit of a synergy product with with some hairlines, yeah, you know, some gels and mousses, and uh, you got just, some hair, dude. I just thought I was too credible, you know, to like to get into it like that. So wow, that's when that's when I told those good Charlotte guys, just like, listen, I don't care if you're my brother. You're making you. the story up. I was just I was just making a remark, and you're fucking running with the ball. It's forced. You're off the field, okay? <laughs> You're taking the joke ball off the field. I got to run with you, Mike. Listen, this is why I was a little even nervous to do this. I've never talked to you in my life. We've without... talked before. Oh, no, I've talked to you plenty of times. But usually you but take you my just said You haven't talked to me in your life. I was still going. Oh. I said every time I've talked to you in my life, you've pulled my pants down the first five minutes. <laughs> so I was ready. I was well, ready for you to grab the pants. Well, you're, was, you're you're a good catcher. 
<laughs> but I'm not as quick as you know a Brit like Frank Turner or something like that. Yeah. So what are you doing, man? What, what what's going on out there? Uh, I, I live in the valley now. I, I live in kind of a compound. There's nine, nine people that live here. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, some lady in in shiny clothes to get here in a few hours. Awesome. Yeah, there's someone. I, someone I have to pay money. There's to. been some myths about your uh, your Corona lockdown. It's been sounds like it's been um, sounds like it's been a quite an event. No, I mean, well, you know what? If it wasn't for Fishbone coming over all the time, and you know, it's like, hey, we we, we need to record some trumpet today. You still get all six of them, you know, no what it is. And you know, this is kind of a fun house. There's you know, people getting uh, hung from trees, you know, hooks, yes, consensual hanging from trees. Yeah, it's a consensual or- fun palace. That's what it is. Well, it's fun for some people, not fun for others. <laughs> now, out of all the nine people who live there, none of them can can do this to you. You still have to call call someone over, a professional. Well, I like a professional job done. You know, like <laughs> I'm paying good money, and you know, and shit'll happen the right way. Well, yeah, you can't you can't tell them what to do. But right, you, you right. kind of tell me what's on the menu. I'm not <laughs> I mean, gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask my roommate. Like she's a nurse. Uh, <laughs> she she's she's down with like pulling toenails out of some people. You know, like hardcore right. shit. Yeah, yeah. Now this is you know jokes aside. Like this is a pretty like you know intimate and and somewhat holy experience for some people. Like, what's the process of? I'm sure there's many different styles out there and what people can provide and what people need on the other side. So how do you go about finding a person to do it and then finding like the right person? Well, see, I, I was in, just in a relationship with this woman. Uh, She's from South Africa and we had a six week blind date. Oh, wow. Yeah. She came out and to be my, uh, my, my service girl, like she, she was going to take care of the house where latex maids outfit and, and, you know, and I take care of her by, you know, tying her up or hurting her or whatever. That was our deal for six weeks. Uh-huh. And then we, you know, fell in love and, uh, started having intercourse, but I'm a, I'm a bottom too. So it was two bottoms and, you know, right, there's, no, right. there's no future in that. <laughs> right. You know, it's always like, uh, oh, okay, I'll do you, but then you got to do me afterwards. It's like, oh, this is ruining everything. Now <laughs> right, it's like, right, right. I can't, I can't worship you because you know you were just sucking my cock after I f- fucked you in the ass a second ago. You know, yeah. So you guys have to bring. So you know, you figure that out. Like, like, what's the number to call? Like, is there something that's reputable? Is there something you have like a history with or it's just pretty blind when you go into it? Well, there's a scene, you know, you kind of know everyone. Like I, I know everyone in right. New York. I know all the people in the fetish scene there, but uh, no, it's just some woman that seems smart and I've seen a lot of her videos. Right. So uh, I like what she does on film. And she, she actually came on Punk and Drublick. She was one of the doms that came on Punk and Drublick. Oh, nice. So how specifically, like, in that situation, like, how do you like to be treated? Like, what's, like, the style? Like, is 
as brutal as possible, or is there need no, to no, be like not, a level I'm not a heavy, of I'm not a heavy bottom, and I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm you know, I'm kind of alpha, so oh, I'm I bratty. See. Like, I, I if, it's, <laughs> if it's a good dom, I will totally give them respect, you right. know, and yes, ma'am, and do the whole nine yards, but uh, I'm not, you know, if there's a time in the scene where where a joke is going to land good. I'm going to fucking tell it. Oh yeah. And, you, you know, no, no matter what the consequences are, I'm, I'm doing it. Right. And you might pay, you might pay dearly for something like that. I've paid dearly before. <laughs> yeah. Um, now like I, uh, I read a quote that you had said that it was the, the only time I fit in is when I wear a second skin, you know, involving stuff like this. And I, I was wondering like, could you talk at all in like your path into BDSM and can you remember like the literal first time that, that it grabbed your interest yes. and fascinated I, I, you? No, I, re- I, re- I remember exactly the first time uh, it hit me and it was at, pre- it was at uh, preschool, not even wow. kindergarten. Oh shit. And we were playing twister and someone rolled me up in the twister thing. And that feeling of being, uh, rolled up and can't move and the smell of the plastic, it always stuck with me. Huh. And then uh, I went to summer camp when I was about 11 with uh, uh, a bunch of TV stars and movie stars, actually. Hmm. W- Willie, Willie from uh, Little House of the Prairie, Josh Brolin. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and there was, I can think of camp. It was a, you know, a co-ed camp, but we used to tie each other up. It was like the game was tie someone up and see if they can get out. Whoa. Okay. And I, I was always playing that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the actual first time I jerked off was you know, my mom used to have these magazines like Hustler and Penthouse and one was called Cox and Cunts. Oh my God. Just, <laughs> just close ups of genitalia. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. what a buzzkill. Like sure. who, who gets a boner to that? Ugh. Fucking, ugh. <laughs> which one's uglier anyway. But then she had a, uh, a magazine that had words in it. Okay. And, and I read a kinky story and it was my first boner. And, you know, and, uh, it, was, it wasn't a problem that, that she was reading it to me. That wasn't a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Par for the course. Like those, what was it? Penthouse stories that they used to have in the beginning. That, um, Variations. Oh called. my God. Yeah. That was definitely hotter than most of the spreads. So to speak. And the story was about a submissive man and, you know, his wife would, would dress him up and bring her friends over and then I'll rape him. And you know, that's, that's, that's how I roll. As you do. <laughs> so how long have you been in the Valley now? A little over a year. Oh, okay. Fucking rules here. I mean, I, I grew, I grew up here. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the Valley. Yeah. Um, I actually ran, I ran into the good Charlotte guys here. I ran into uh, <laughs> Joel and, and, and Nicole Ritchie. <laughs> so weird. I, he go he ghosted me, man. He did. I, I got ghosted by Good Charlotte. That fucking how embarrassing. Oh man. Wait, like, I would, you know, how did like, that go down? Just total like he's total... like we gotta hang out, dude. You know, Benji would love to see you. I'm like because we used to hang out on the work tour, and I used to sure. take their money, play poker, and uh, and it was like cool. Let's hang out. And uh, he was supposed to come over to my house to play some badminton. Didn't come, and then. Stopped answering my texts. Oh. I got ghosted by Good Charlotte. Oh man! Any <sighs> any theories there? He's afraid of you, what? Mike. 
It's the second time. They did it during Rock Against Bush, too. They were supposed to be on the on the cover of AP with me and Billy Joe and Joan Jett and uh, Jelly Biafra. Right. And they called Day Of and canceled. What? Yeah. Dude, that's like... They didn't even call. Their manager called. Uh, but at the time, they, they had a two, a two million selling record. And Green Day just put out warning, so they didn't sell shit. So it was like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to show respect to Jello and uh, Joan Jett, man. What the fuck? Joan Jett, man. She was wearing leather pants. It was best. Of course. She's Maybe they thought they were just the... The next, the next big thing that was going to stay around for you know twenty well, twenty five years. They were the next big thing, but big as in, uh, oh my god, those guys are still playing Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never, um, never quite my group. So I didn't know what to do. I forgot that there was a Benji Madden before you said it. Before all this, um, they so married I'll, well though. They they did marry well. Yeah, we got Nicole Richie and who else? Uh, so, uh, something about Mary, that chick. Oh, wow. All you from know, good Charlotte, huh? What's her name? Everyone knows her name. Is it Cameron Diaz? Yeah, Cameron Diaz. Oh, Cameron Diaz, right. I like That's how you the- went to there's something about Mary out of her whole career. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> because of that one scene, right? <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to say being John Malkovich. She was kind of gross in that movie. Yeah, she was. You know, I watched that whole movie without knowing it was her. You watched a whole a whole movie. That's impressive. A whole one. It almost took two hours. <laughs> <laughs> two whole hours. You know what? I have too many friends that do not have the attention span to watch a movie. You know what I started doing? I feel a little guilty for it, but if I'm reading a book that about 50, 100 pages in, I can tell it's not grabbing me. The story's not grabbing me. I don't like the writing, something like that. I go to the end now. And I'll read like the last ten pages and move on with my life instead of like working through the the middle three hundred. I know I'm not going to enjoy. Is it, is that wrong? No, I did that with the, with the Buddhist Bible. I was like, I kind of get this, but let me just see the, the conclusion. Oh yeah, <laughs> they give it. Away. I roll this way. Just be kind of a good person. Yeah, got it. In a strange way, I think that you kind of just nailed Buddhism. Yeah. In yeah. in. In, yeah, in just a way. be kind, don't stress, and enjoy suffering. And I, and that's what I'm doing later today. <laughs> oh, God. So I, Brad took us to the Valley, but I wasn't done with BDSM yet. Of course Because I'm interested, okay? Um, so, you know, I found out, like, when it interested you and when it kind of... Well, it, clearly it interests you, too. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I mean, this stuff is pretty fascinating. Yeah, like the... I like the idea of uh, the levels of safe sexuality and seeing the things that people who are committed to each other can do to still excite them. Yeah. I mean, like that's not that's unimportant. The whole point. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to be with other people. You know, when I, when I was with Soma, uh, she was always dressed different or had a different role. And mm-hmm. it was always, always with her for eight years. It was something new. Always. Right, right, right. And it's 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 living, man. So was that your connection back into it? You know, like you had some of these, um, you know, feelings when you were younger. But when, as an adult, were you able to kind of tap into that and like follow that road? Uh, well, my first girlfriend, she was sixteen. I was sixteen. Uh, she would kind of punch me and uh, and scratch my back till it bled. So that wasn't really what I was going for. And we choke each other. But then when I went to college, my first girlfriend, 
uh, we did it right away. Oh, really? And, just naturally? And, well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't interested in someone who didn't want to do that. It's, I mean, it's, it's like being gay. It's, it's my sexuality. Right, 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 right. But I'm actually, I'm, but I like all of it. Like, I'm such a fetishist. It's crazy. I have a walk-in closet full of leather and latex and, and one row of golf clothes. <laughs> and, and you know, I have a suitcase of tour clothes, but right. like, uh, yeah, I mean, in the morning I'll, you know, I'll fuck it. I'll fuck my chick when she's naked. But, uh, why, you know, why, why when you can have something, cause you know, when you're fucking someone or spending time with them and they're in leather or, or latex, every time you smell it, you get horny. Right. So it's very Pavlovian. Hmm. And so now, I mean, honestly, I have a hard time coming if I don't smell leather or get my titties pinched, you know? Right, right. That's the Gotta danger. Got to have those titties pinched, man. <laughs> no, you need it. Well, Brad knows all. Brad, you know all about this, right? Hey, I'm very vanilla, dude. I'm just happy to, to have sex. Let me tell you. <laughs> you. You know, what? you probably got named after uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Is that, is that your... It's, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that the square in Rocky Horror? Yeah, of course. Uh, no, it's Frankenfurter. Oh, okay. His, his real name's Brad. Right. It's always, <laughs> it's always the square. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Brad. You wore some leather pants back in the day. I you? actually, you know, I tried on a latex t-shirt one time at this shop in the East Village, and it was pretty fucking rad. Like... I yeah. thought it would just be sweaty, but it was um, it was cool. Well, you feel all your skin. Yeah, it was really intense, and it looked cool. Yeah, I mean, I I had the body for it at that point, but what about now, Brad? A few years ago, I am wearing latex now. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, that's my problem is I'm 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 losing some weight over COVID because I've been bike riding every day. So, but I'm still like in my low one eighties, and when I started wearing uh, girls' clothes and and Dressing publicly, I was like 165, so it's kind of a bummer. Mm. Oh. Fat guy, fat guy in a dress is <laughs> is a little. It's just not as cool. It's not as cool as just guy in a dress. <laughs> it's a little more tongue in cheek once you have fat guy in a dress. Yeah, right. It's like yeah. It's like any singer from any punk band from Texas in the 80s. You know, <laughs> right, the, right. the Dicks, MDC, Big Boys, they, they yeah. all fucking wear dresses. So, I mean, but I read something that, um, you know, the wearing dresses for you is less of a desire to be feminine and more of like, it makes you feel punk again because of the reaction it harbors from, from other people. Is, is that true? Well, it's both. Like when I, it was in uh, Luxembourg when I first wore like a pink, a pink nighty out to dinner and then to the show. But then I wore a dress going through Heathrow and that was like, oh yeah, this is, this is cool. You know, right. I'm, I'm bumming people out. <laughs> right, right. Tattoos and mohawks don't do it anymore. Yeah. Did, did that catch Lux, any flack? A-line, huh? Did you get any extra attention from security? Uh, yeah, but it's kind of the, the kind of attention I like. <laughs> right, 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 right. Just asking questions. So, oh, I've had some security. I've had some fucked up security times. You know, like. What's a highlight? What's the worst one? Uh. Well, I had a, a metal cock ring on, uh, and they made me take it off in the back room. And, wow. and the guy's like, he has a glove and he's looking at it. And it was pretty, you know, there, there was some schmegma or something in that. And, uh, and then he asked for an autograph. You know? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't ask, I, my, uh, 
someone made me go through uh, with the ass plug in once, with the butt plug. And, but no one found that? No, they, they saw it. They just, <laughs> they didn't make me take it out. <laughs> Again, they took you to a back room and made you take it out? No, no, they didn't make me take it out. They, oh, they didn't make you take they it out. They probably have a, they have a fat mic database. Wow. <laughs> they have a fat mic database that says, listen, just let this dude through. He's completely harmless and you don't want to, you don't want to see what's, what you're going to be pulling out of him. <laughs> well, when you're, when you're carrying drugs, you either want to put it in your, in your woman's, uh, lady pocket or in your butt plug. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to have a girlfriend who would, who would, you know, clear out the inside of a pad, you know, like a maxi pad and put some, you know, very compressed down weed into the maxi pad and then wear it onto the flight. And, you know, it was more important to her to have the grass when she landed than than this risk. If there's grass inside the field, play ball. I've heard that before. <laughs> there's grass inside. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, she was always the same response. That I kind of respected was there. She was always like, "Hey, what are they going to do? Look at my cooter?" And I'm like, "Well, no, probably not." So I think you're okay. Um, now, is she is she from the south? No, she's not. Well, South Jersey. So that, you know, whole nother story right there. Um, Now, you said something that like that more people, you know, saw a guy like Michael Moore than they saw Noah Chomsky because of like. Wait, did you say Noah Chomsky? I did. Uh, Him him and Harry's in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and like that part of the. Oh, no, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, this is what I get for trying to be intelligent. It's not, it doesn't work out for me often. Um, like, you're a drummer. That, that those people, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and talk through that one. That those people like presented themselves in a way that even though, you know, what they were saying uh, wasn't exactly on par, that Michael Moore just presented in a way that a lot more people heard it. Is that like part of the reason you've always presented yourself so lively is just to like get people to hear no i mean it's not it's not a ploy right uh i mean first of all no effects were, were the most improved band i think of anybody and we were so bad it, it was just talking with, between songs got us a better response than actually playing <laughs> so that's that's where that started from but it's like you know if you do something like music it's uh, i want to have fun and some bands like say propaganda when they're on stage, it's they're not having fun. It's it's more serious. Yeah, that's right. fine, you know. Or a hardcore band, it's like they're angry, and I don't want to go through life angry. I want to have a good time, and uh, and it, but it, it's it's the opposite effect though, because no effects are not taken seriously, right? And you know, Vice Magazine gave Warren Arism our record a zero out of ten. You know, like when was these that? guys, and they. Uh, it was, you know, in 2004, they said, yeah, Fat Mike should, uh, he doesn't get to sit at the adult table, stay at the kids' table when it comes to this, to politics. Oh. It's like, motherfucker, <laughs> fucking Gavin, you know? Yeah. yeah. Fucking, you're <laughs> at my house with your girlfriend. She was in a fucking leather pony outfit, you know, motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, fuck, I graduated college. I took political science. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly smart. Yeah, you know, it's not uh, just because, and and people think No Effects is a you know a pop punk joke band like Blink or something, but you know ninety percent of our songs are serious. It's just yeah. 
we just, we just have a good time on stage and, and, uh, make fun of country people mostly unsuccessfully. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that is true. Like the actual, you know, uh, uh, you know, topics and no effects are often not fun and somewhat sad. And, you know, when you, when you're doing that, do you actually like, is it cathartic? Do you actually gain something positive from, from writing that stuff? Does it actually well, no. make you feel better? No, no, not at all. Not uh, at all. It's, it, it's, yeah, it is a cathartic. I mean, the no effects probably have, some, we have really depressing lyrics. Yeah. Not as uh-huh. depressing as Koki, but if you look at punk bands, you know, Rancid or Bad Religion or Dropkicks, they're not singing about killing their mom or uh, shit like that. Mm-hmm. They're singing about 34th and uh, 32nd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're singing songs where you have to sing in the accent of the city you're talking about. Right. So well, I mean, what, what, I, I was singing an Orphan Year in Atlanta once, and my sister was there, and I was on Valium and, and a lot of martinis, and and I just saw her because my dad treated her worse than he treated me. You right. know, he bailed on her when she was three; didn't see her for thirteen years. And this is like a rich guy. Right. And uh, I looked at her and she was crying and I started crying. I couldn't finish the song. I had to get off stage. Oh, wow. And then, you know, I got some cocaine and everything was fine after that. But, you know, for five minutes there, it was rough. But if you don't find any, like, catharsis from it and it doesn't do anything for you personally, like, what's the point? Well, it's... You you want to push the envelope? I mean, I want to think about sing about things that no one's sung about before. Right. Uh, it's interesting. I'm doing this interview because uh, I put out a Cokie the Clown video last night. Ooh. Uh, yesterday for Fair Leather Friends, and that song I actually lost uh, very important friendships because I wrote that song. Is that right? You know, Kent, the manager, my best friend for 25 years. Uh. Yeah, that was it. Seriously. Uh, and because, you know, Soma was treated not by him badly. On tour, he treated her fine. But then when we got home and I used to go to dinner th- to their house twice a week, suddenly we weren't invited ever for four years. Mm-hmm. And so I just called all my friends out on that song. You know, looking back on the Cookie record, I-, I wouldn't have done it. I would not have done a few of the songs where I called people out. Right. Cause people don't know who these people are. The only thing that changes is I lose a relationship and I, and I, over the whole record, I lost probably like eight relationships. Wow. That's a high price. It is high price. It really is. And did you like, do you feel in the end like that you actually got something out of that or you just wish you never did it at all? I, I, I if I had to do whatever again, I would not have done it. I would not have, told certain stories. Yeah. Because I didn't gain anything from it. And and I didn't really put myself in the other people's shoes. Mm. Do you think that's just a matter I, of time? Like you can see things differently now than, than you did at the time? Well, just because I experienced it. Right. But, you know, like I said some things that the hardest line for me, I didn't lose a relationship over this, but when I said I never had a, a babysitter or a birthday party. Uh, that was a really hard line to sing. Right. Cause uh, I thought it's like admitting to the world that 
your parents didn't care enough about you to get your babysitter when you were fucking six or, uh, and a, b- a birthday party. It's like, it's so sad, but it's, it's embarrassing too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty but, wild. You know, that's, that's great art. I think is, you know, like the NoFX book, we put everything out there. Yes. Yeah. You guys pulled a full on Metallica with that book. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. We We did. <laughs> yeah, like, you know how they did a DVD of basically, like, just saying, like, all the stuff you'd never imagine a band like that saying. For them, yeah, but, it was a yeah, lot. But they're, so, they're so stupid. They let it out by accident. <laughs> I, mean, I think that may be correct. They, they, they put out that, that their fucking band therapist helps write lyrics. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the best part was Dave Mustaine when he was crying. Man, yeah. that, guy, that guy cries more than Ryan from Yellow Card. <laughs> The Dave Mustaine should be a cautionary tale for a lot of different artists, you know? Like, sometimes you just got to be, you got to be happy with what you got, man, you know? Or cry. And you, you know what? More than crying, I spent time with him because we toured together in Australia. Is that right? The guy drools, you know? Like, what? You, you're drooling, dude. You're in first class and you're drooling. <laughs> you're, you're drooling on your fucking... Your uh, conspiracy theory magazine about Nazi moon bases. <laughs> I mean, the, there, there there could be one up there, but I mean, yeah, it's that who possible. who cares? Right, 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 right. Um, I, I want I want to go back back a little. You know, you talked about like your father. You, you know, you've talked a lot about that stuff. I don't want to get too much into it, but when you were I, starting the label, I, I had heard an interview an interviewer, excuse me, say that it, at the beginning it was fledgling and you kind of challenged on it. It was like, nah, like it was always cool. It always went well. We put out our own records. Um, and did, did you know, like from the get go, you had a feeling that this was going to be something that would like dictate the path of your life. And then, also, uh, and also like putting out records and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah no, 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 never. Now, I went to college and went to real estate school so I could make money while I was fledgling on tour. Uh, right. You know, I mean, when we finally made it in 91, we, we came back from tour with, we each made $8,000. And that was the, the greatest thing ever. We made $8,000 that year. And, wow. and we're like, we can live off this and our girlfriends, you know, totally doable. But I mean, that's, people don't remember that. Any punk band before 90, no one joined a punk band to make money. There was, yes. it's impossible to make a living at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really impossible. Bad Religion were probably the biggest punk band in the late 80s. And uh, Suffer sold 12,000 records. That's crazy. Yeah. That's why, that's one of the reasons why punk rock is just the best, coolest style of music because we all joined punk bands for the right reasons. I'm, I don't know about Brian Fallon, but we all did. Are you guys still in a band together? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But but what about when he keeps going on tour without you? What kind of a move is that? Listen, man, if you if you could uh, write write beautiful songs like that and go play them on your own, you probably would too, you know? Oh, shit. Am I dissing you? Sorry, Benji. <laughs> no, you're, you're an awesome drummer. And you're you're a swell looking dude, also. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you're you're one of the most loved people in 
like emo drum circles, right? In emo drum circles? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, Ed likes you. I don't know, but I don't know if you do. Oh, I do for sure. Thing. I, we have hung out, dude. At festivals, we've, you know, I've definitely nodded towards you while walking past you. Yeah, you've given me a little a little affection like that, sure. No, no, we've t- we've talked. We have. I was talking to, I was talking to Brian cuz you know, he's religious and I think that's just so weird. I mean, you know what? To me, like you talk about BDSM and the kinds of things you explore in yourself and what you need to get by and the kind of sadness you hold if you don't use that stuff. I, me, I never said that. Everybody's got different ways to to get through this thing you know and that's uh, true i no, don't no, judge judge people for that you know no effects have that song called happy guy from punk and drublick and it, it's about a religious guy like hey he's happy and you can't fucking argue with happiness no yeah i mean regard you know this is a lot a lot of searching is brought brought to that place but regardless of how you can wind up on your deathbed with a with a nice warm smile, then I don't give a shit kind of how you get there as long as you're not really hurting people on the way, you know? Well, that's the thing is, is, is hurting people. Some people would say that some religions do ostracize and hurt people. Of course. So if you're smiling because you got into the right place and they didn't, ha <laughs> suckers, that's no good. <laughs> no, that's not good. But I think the people who are like that tend to seem to lose the... What what put him on that path in the first place? Yeah, I don't, uh, I, uh, I don't Benny. I don't I don't do BDSM to escape from my sadness. I'm not sad. I, I uh, I've never had depression or sadness in my whole life until Home Street Home. Yeah, you know, why is that? I, I'm 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 pretty much always happy. I'm always doing something fun. <clears throat> well, because you know. Uh, I'm really proud of it. And we sold it to, you know, Kevin McCollum, who did rent in Avenue Q and he didn't like how it was going because he wanted us to tone it down and I wouldn't do it. So we didn't open, you know, we were, we played San Francisco and Connecticut and Cincinnati and we, and we only did four shows in New York. And he's like, I'm not paying for this because uh, no one, no one, no one wants to watch fucking kids shoot up on stage. Like, yeah, you fucking asshole. Anyway, but he had us for four years. So, for four years, I couldn't touch a show. Right. And that was the first time in my life someone had control of my fucking livelihood. Right, right, right. Fucking businessman is telling me how my life's going to be for the next four years. And then I actually fell into uh, like a bad drug hole. Is it, was that, it was just the first time you lost like control of your own narrative at that point? No, it's just... Uh, it's the first time I got hooked on drugs. Right. And I, and it wasn't that many, uh, but uh, I went. I had to go to detox for six days. Because you were pretty clean coming up, right? Well, I, did, I didn't try drugs till 31. Right, right. Now, I mean, I had heard you say at some point that... Yeah, Brad, when, Brad, when we first met, I was the only person in the fucking Niagara not doing coke. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you included, make Brad? You stand out. <laughs> uh, I've never been big on that drug, but yeah, it, it was that kind of place. You have natural, boisterous energy. 
Yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> he said he's gonna... got big on it. It means he does little bumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's maintenance. It's maintenance, you know, at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning after a long night of DJing. I don't think I was ever in Niagara. I think I was just always in the, free, the, the freezer. <laughs> the downstairs, the, when it was a dirt floor downstairs and they were renovating. Oh, man, when Johnny kicked out Sublime to give no effects to one booth, that was the best. <laughs> Yeah. They were pissed. <laughs> I think that's why Bradley killed himself. Ooh. It's okay. They fucking stole a NoFX song. For real? Oh, yeah. Which one? Their song called Seed is the exact Lloyd Myers song. Ooh. In fact, uh, I was riding bikes with Miguel the other day, who produced uh, those albums, or 40 Ounces. And I'm like, yeah, I never went after you guys. He's like, yeah, you and Paul McCartney were the two people that didn't go after us. Everybody yeah. else did. But but he told me the story. He said they were going to cover Lori Myers like they covered that Bad Religion song. Right. But they didn't bring the lyrics to the studio. So Bradley just made up lyrics and that turned into Seed. <laughs> I mean, listen to the song. It's it's the exact song. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. That's that's like, that's just a dumbass way to fucking get in trouble. <clears throat> well, everything they did was like that. Ugh. Um, I-, I wanted to talk about uh, one thing just to go back to. Um, so when we were talking about like, I'm, I'm, you're gonna ask about ass fucking. You want to get ass fucked by your chick, right? <laughs> Man, it's kind of that's, be- that's between her and I, Mike. Not everyone puts that out, but uh, well, yeah, because guys are embarrassed to ask for it. But most most guys want it. They either want a finger or a toy, or but I think they all really want the chick to be in leather and take them deep. So, I mean, I heard you say at some point, like, you got left alone all the time when you were as a kid, like you had just mentioned without the babysitter and stuff like that. And that is, like, part of the reason that you're so into the attention you get when you're, uh, you know, in a BDSM situation and, and things like that. And that, that's where, you know, I do wonder, like, like where these things come from, because it does feel like uh, it's like I had a void in one part of my life and I'm filling it with another so I think there's some truth to it, but you know, people don't ask gay people what, what made them gay. You know, how about right. I just think that that shiny clothes and powerful women are hot. I mean, you know, uh, so I don't know. You think it could be like a preternatural thing, just something that, regardless of the the outcome of your life, like you would have gotten into this anyway. Well, but you know, it's it's little nature, little nurture. Right. I actually have a totally crazy theory that makes no sense at all. But I think the people who designed humans might be like uh, very black, shiny people, like insects. <laughs> oh, okay. Because uh, everyone, every culture seems to be attracted to black, shiny things. Hmm. The leather, black leather is always popular. You know, it's a stupid theory. I'm just saying that... Uh, <laughs> Maybe something in our DNA is attracted to smooth, shiny things. I can see it. Like I mean, Beatles. it makes about as much the, sense as anything else. We sure. were designed by the Beatle people, the Black Beetle people. Maybe I like it. But there, there was, I, I do think there's something to be said for that because I wasn't breastfed and I was left alone in the crib a lot. And like my favorite thing is like super restrictive bondage. Like you know, like I have a leather trunk. I have a trunk and it's lined in leather near my bed. 
and I get put in that for like an hour. Yeah. Sometimes nitrous gets pumped in there too. Hell yeah. Oh wow. Oh boy. I mean, I know it's a it's it's a standard theory, but I thought it was you know people who seem to generally be in fully in control of their lives and everything around them. Most often, really got hooked in into that scene. I look at it as like a reward. After I play a show, I just want to not worry about anything. I don't I don't want to be the clown anymore. I just want to not think about anything. And like when you do when you're getting caned or something, all you can think about is. When's this going to stop? Oh, yeah. And then you're so appreciative to the person that stopped that, you know, it's like it turns sexual or breath play too, you know? Breath uh, play? Yeah. You know, I, I don't like choking, but, uh, you know, wow. other breath play, like leather gloves over your, your mouth and nose or a bag or something. It's dangerous, fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, um, but that takes you away. I'm going to take you away for a minute because I don't want to forget on this particular question that I have for you. It's time for Mystery Friends. Mystery Friends. So this this, sounds like a great bit. <laughs> this is a little segment where I'm going to prompt you for a story on your life. And you're going to tell it. And then you have to guess who, um, who I got it from. The that's guy. That's weird. I thought you were going to have like... Someone on the on the phone, no. and then I had to figure out who it was. Uh, that'd be so. I have to come up with the story and come up with who you heard it from, if possible. Oh, I, you're going to tell me the story. I, I don't oh, think I this one would be that hard, but this one I was told to ask you about a three day weekend that you had all in one night in Tokyo. Oh, John Bush! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I, I had a feeling it wouldn't be. Hard. <laughs> oh, that was a fucking. That was a fucking weekend that night. All right. I want that. Now you have to tell us. John didn't tell me the story. He just told me the prompt. So you have to give us the story. All right. Well, it's the first time I ever went to an S&M club there. And it's funny. I mentioned his name. And Ryan from Yellow Card was at our hotel. And he was a big fan. He goes, let me buy you guys dinner. He took us to this place that was, the bill was $1,400 for four people. But, you know, Big Shot pays for it. I, okay. Well, we're taking you to this S&M club. And he's uh, I don't want to do anything. We're like, well, we've never been to one, but you won't have to do anything. You know, you just, you, it's like a hundred bucks to get in. You just hang and watch the show. And somehow we walked in and these two doms went right to him. Fucking handcuffed him and put a gag in his mouth. Like, yes. <laughs> and then, uh, the one girl ended up tying me up and she put cigarettes out of my nipples. Like, fuck that. That isn't fucking safe or sane. That was like gnarly. I mean, you know, that was when I was with Aaron. I wasn't supposed to come home from tour with scars. That was the deal. And I fucking blisters on my tits. That was, I mean, that was the beginning of the first night. Uh, then we go to the red bar, which opens at 2 a.m. The fucking bar opens 2 to 8. And uh, we, we were there till 7. And Ryan, Ryan ended up going home with that girl that burned my titties off. <laughs> Uh, but then I ended up, I'm like, okay, so you can go to a bar, pay a hundred dollars, drink all you want. And these fucking hot Japanese chicks in latex are going to tie you up and, and do weird things to you. So it's like, what am I supposed to do every night? <laughs> you know, go to sushi bar, talk to kids. No. 
So we just got deeper and deeper. And one night we went to four bars, ran into Greg Hedson, had some MMA guy at his SM party with the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> and uh, you know, like this huge fighter, they, and they tied him to the ceiling and tie rope around his crotch. And just them tying rope, he fucking came in his pants. And he's like, oh, let me, let me go. And, <laughs> and the girls were laughing at him, pointing at the fucking, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> so the way John tells it is this was all in like a 24-hour period that you basically had the equivalent of a three-night weekend in one night. Is yeah, that- we went to like five different places. And then do you remember the event that ended it? Oh. It uh, was a pretty epic event, according to John. Mm, shit, this is dead air. Uh, <laughs> when I say epic, I mean like the whole city felt it. Oh, earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a huge earthquake. And uh, we were on like the 35th floor. And after it was shaking for like a minute, because I'm like, earthquake, no big deal. But he was really shaking. So I go to the hallway. I saw Chris from the Gimme's. And I'm like, dude, this thing won't stop. He's like, yeah, won't stop. <laughs> it's pretty epic. It, it was it was like a 7.8 or something. Yeah, uh, it was a big one, supposedly. Yeah. Ouch. That's the way to end I've been it. in all the big ones. <laughs> I think the earth, the earth was telling you guys something. <laughs> Finish the evening. Finish the evening. <laughs> we got no more for you. It got weird. One of the clubs where we ran into Greg Hetson was really weird. What was the vibe there? Uh, well, I never, like, I'm not big on getting bull whipped because that fucking hurts a lot. You know, uh, that, that'll open up your skin. Yeah. And, uh, they had, uh, and you know, I'm an American, so it's like, the girls like to type the American. So the, like these places only hold like 12 people, but they want to entertain the Japanese. So they bullwhip me from the front side. Like my legs are spread and they fucking hit me on my, like between my legs. Oh, Jesus. That was rough. Rough. So Tokyo likes to take it to the next level, huh? Uh, I don't know. I've had worse than Osaka. <laughs> It's crazy how many bands I took. You know, Real McKenzie's, Epoxy's, Bad Religion, Less Than Jake. Like, everyone drop kicks. Oh, there was a Descendants one. I can't talk about that one. That was crazy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Come on. <laughs> no, I'll do that on my podcast. What's that called? <laughs> what do you mean? What's it called? Fat Mike's Fat Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Perfect. Hey, right, I, I, I got five. Epi- I got five episodes so far. Nice, Mike. There is. You know what I always wanted to ask you about, and this is not. Yes. Um, this is not dirty or gross, but I've always been fascinated by this concept. Um, somebody told me about this ages ago, and I always meant to bring it up. I think Max or somebody told me, like maybe even like fifteen years ago, that you had bought land to make basically like a punk rock retirement community. Was that a true story? No, it was, it was Mattersville. We were, we were supposed to buy it in Oregon, but that's, but yeah, we didn't do it. But the place I have now is like, it's two acres. There's nine rooms and they're all full and there's recording studio and there's a pony, pony track for human ponies, all kinds (laughs) of cool shit. So you're halfway there. Yeah. I don't like living alone. 
Uh, probably because of my childhood, but no, I mean, I, I love this idea of like getting, you know, getting your, all your friends together in a, in this like retirement community when you all get old. And I don't know. I, I thought that was, um, it's good. For no, I love it. I, I love it here. It's always someone around, uh, you get kind of sick of the same story. It's about being in the Navy from Schmears. Jesus. <laughs> you can always <clears throat> sit with a pony. But, and you could get stuck with the dud. You know, I had to kick a couple people out. Right. I had to kick Jen from the Bomb Pops out. Oh. What'd she do? It was just like drama, like little drama things. Like, hey, just don't take one of my beers. I'm like, hey, there's nine people here. You can't worry about shit like that. Like, listen, this is a Valhalla of decadence. You're just going to have to, <laughs> just going to have to deal. Here's some decadence. There's four refrigerators. See, I, I went the other way. I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, and I just like to be alone. Yeah, what do you do? Mm, I guess stew mostly. <laughs> you stew, Benny, yeah. Benny. You do stew. The reason we're one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because you stew. we're going to be better friends now. <laughs> <laughs> you do stew. Wait, how do you know I stew? Because what did I do to you? One of the reasons we like really relaunched going off track was because you were stewing. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Once the brain starts eating the little thing, it gets big, you know? I stew at night. Yeah. That's why, that's why I try to ride my bike every day, so I, I fall asleep. I can't stew too long. Yeah, what yeah. is this bike thing like a new a new deal for you? I've been riding bikes for a while, but uh, Giant gave me a, a fucking really nice bike, so now I try to do like 15, 20 miles a day, sometimes 25. Well, that's pretty substantial. Getting to the hills? What do you mean? Like well, speed bumps? I mean, it's one thing to ride a bike on a flat, flat of the valley, but do you get up into like the mountains at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, yeah, sure. For we sure. go around Griffith Park. Griffith Park is hilly, right? That's really hilly. Yeah, we. Uh, yes, yeah, me and uh, Johnny and Annie from Old Man Markley, mm-hmm. the three of us go. You guys are bikers. They're, they're actually. I was supposed to ride with them on Ride for Black Lives, which is an awesome ride. It's twice a week. And it's like protesting without having to just stand there and do nothing. Right. Yeah. We uh, had we had it go right. I'm on the Lower East Side. We had it go right down the FDR. Right. And it was a substantial ride. There was a lot of people. Yeah, cool. it's cool. You know, uh, I think pogo sticks would go over pretty well. It'd be, <laughs> it'd, it'd be so funny. Pogo sticks rule, dude. It'd be so funny looking. <laughs> 500 people going for black lives. Yeah, you'd only need like 10 blocks too because it would take you – how long would it take? Yeah, tons of people would get hurt oh, and yeah. and no one in the world would take our country seriously. I mean even worse than they don't take us seriously. Yeah, yeah. If they already – people already thought we were pretty dumb. Pogo for peace, man. <laughs> so do you have get a good some- bike outfit that you wear? No. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm more of a cutter. Okay. You know that movie, right? Breaking yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Free, refund, refund. I'd oh, love to see a TMZ picture of you wearing the little bike shorts, the whole getup. You know, why would? You, why do you have to wear that kind? Of, look, my underwear is padded. Okay, I do that. But why would you wear tight shorts? I do wear a leather mini skirt. Uh, I was going to say, I was hoping the latex maybe came out for the ride. That's a little sweaty, and it tears. Oh yeah. People just get into gear, man. You know, every every micro scene has its own gear, you know? 
Yeah, but biking has the worst gear. It's got pretty <laughs> funny gear. Kind of weird too. Which one? Football? You don't like shoulder pads? <laughs> uh, not particularly. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, Jews. Jews don't like. Uh, not a lot of football players are Jews. Very no. few. Yeah. yeah. It's like that scene in Airplane. Would you like to read this pamphlet on famous Jewish athletes? <laughs> hey, I was in a book called Jews That Rock, and you're in that, that book. Yeah, that was only I think eighty or ninety pages. I get I get bought that book. Big uh, a holiday present once a year. I have about 46 copies of that book because it's everyone's like, oh, Benny, you'll love this. Come oh on. It's the- a terrible, terrible book. Yeah, very boring. But the truth but- is, is that Jews have dominated rock. How can that be a short book? Uh, you're just you're just talking about fucking, yeah. uh, the guy in Kiss. <laughs> well, well, before that, yeah, we used to write all of it, but no one knew the names of anyone who did it, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Strange Fruit was written by a Jew. Oh, yeah. So many of those songs. And that, But that book is more like, hey, did you know that two members of Great White were Jewish? Like, it's more <laughs> a book like that. Yeah, of course they were. For, they did that yeah, insurance course. scam at that club. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Uh-huh. What is this? What is this story you have about going to a New Year's party at Oasis's house and then playing their own records? Oh, uh, uh, well, that's pretty much the story. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lee from Snuff said, "Hey, you always take us to these punk rock parties and no one cares about us. I'm taking you to a party where no one's going to give a fuck about you." And it, it was like a 25 person party, and you know. I knew Gam. I knew the guitar player of, of Oasis, the, okay. the, the second guitar player. He's a nice guy. Uh, and the other guys were nice. They said hi, shook my hand, you know, make yourself at home. And then they just sat around a table doing blow. And right after midnight, they played Oasis records for about four hours. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And were they like, they were like jamming out? <laughs> no. But, oh, okay. You know. And they were giving me shit for listening to no effects records in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not doing that. Was this in London? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! But uh, the guy, this guy, Trav, Andy from Travis. Yeah. He he was talking to me, but he's Scottish. I really couldn't understand him. And there was smoke, and ugh. you know, well, you know, who has a good time on New Year's? But it's kind of a good story. <laughs> I've had a good time maybe maybe twice. Yeah, twice it's just in all these time. years. Just I went to Times Square once. You Ooh. ever do that, Brad? No. No way. No. It was fun. I came close once years ago when I was a baby punk rocker and we didn't even we didn't we weren't even trying to make it to Times Square. We were trying to get to a party that was like in Hell's Kitchen and it was still a fucking nightmare. And we ended up fucking escorting some dude to the hospital who'd been Stabbed. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I have a much more, I have a much more joyous story. Somebody asked me if I had a lighter when I was in the middle of that. And before I knew it, I was smoking blunts with about half a dozen random New Yorkers. I heard it was crack. It could have been. I mean, it was the evening went fast. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried mushrooms for the first time. How'd you think? I I, I didn't think that well. I. uh your stomach hold up? Did you puke? I puked in the morning. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. In fact, my eyes are so bloodshot right now. Uh, uh, did, did you take enough to to get like visuals? To I took I took enough to fucking throw up. 
<laughs> well, that doesn't take too much. Oh, I thought that's that's what you're supposed to. Isn't that the bonus part? I can't. I can't take. I can take like a, a bite of mushrooms without my stomach wrenching. That's yeah, I, I took for it with me. one and a half chocolates, and oh, okay. it, just, it just felt like I don't know, like coffee and pot. I think. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, a yeah. stupid fucking hippie drug. I, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Have you ever done LSD? Once. Because it can be similar. I mean, uh, I thought acid was good, but my problem was I liked it so much. The first time I took it, the only time I took it, I took another hit, like four hours oh, into it. That's a mistake. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, in in the in the van with no effects. You know, ninety oh. degrees in Oregon. It's, it was like a twenty twenty four hour trip. Oh no, it's a common mistake because it takes so long to kick in. Oh yeah, I've I've made that mistake. There's not much wisdom I have in the world, but the one thing I'll drop on a kid is you can always take more drugs. You can't take less. <laughs> the kind of, kind of Benny, live by Benny, I'm going to make a t-shirt for, for you. That's I'm going to put on your tombstone after you OD. There we go. <laughs> like fucker told himself. Um, Mike, do you believe in uh, like drug legalization, like broad, broad drug legalization? Well, so much that when they legalize pot, it pisses me off. Like, pot oh, like ma- the man is getting their hands on it. No, pot makes people stupid. You know, it's the drug that makes your brain dumb when you're a kid, you know, until you're 28. Alcohol mm-hmm. doesn't do that. Other drugs that, you know, ecstasy doesn't do that. It's pot. It, it has a really negative effect on your brain. And, uh, you just decriminalize drugs, you fucking idiots. <laughs> I mean, all drugs were legal here until fucking Harry Aslinger, that fucking DEA agent that uh, decided to make cocaine and heroin illegal after uh, prohibition. He arrested 20,000 doctors one day. Wow. And, you know, people came back from the war and they were doing heroin for a nickel a shot. You go get your heroin from the doctor. They all had jobs. Everything was fine. But because of prohibition, uh, the DEA was going to go under. So he right. made cocaine and heroin illegal. You fucking asshole. Fucking ruined co- Coca-Cola, Coca-Wine. You know, Edison was bummed. Everything that used to get rid of your headaches back in the Old West. What was yeah. that? Yeah. And then you go to caffeine and nicotine. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. They just re- replaced the ones that they could with ones that they could market, essentially. No, they could have marketed it. It was just – they didn't think about it. It was one dude. There's a book called Chasing the Scream. It's uh, It changed my life. It's an incredible book. And it talks all about uh, that and how the FBI killed Bill, Billie Holiday for, for that song, Strange Fruit. Oh, wow. I don't know that story. Yeah. She was, she was found dead, handcuffed to a hospital bed. Heroin overdose. Oh. And she was clean. Fucked up. What's that book called? Chasing the Scream. All right. I I buy it. I buy, uh, just like you said, the Jew book. Yeah. I I, I always have 20 copies at my house. I give it to everyone who comes over. (laughs) You're an educator. Uh, Actually, I kind of am. Some ways. Um, So... I don't know if you heard, but Mike Tyson's making a comeback. And uh, I was wondering if you yourself would partake in a celebrity fight. And if no. you did, who would no. you want to get your paws on? I'd fight 
Jane Whelan from the Go-Go's. Yeah? Why? Because, uh, well, she's into BDSM too, so it would be cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, was a, she was a latex tied up on my bed once. That was cool. That's awesome. Uh, and I wouldn't fight anybody. No? Not I've only been in one fight. How did that go? Uh, I have a charmed life. I don't know. I took out these two Russian mafia guys in uh, uh, Brixton. No, not Brixton. Bristol. Uh-huh. I didn't know who they were, but they were fucking with my, my woman, and I was wasted, so I just shoved one of them on the ground, and then he got back up, and I tripped him, and I grabbed my girlfriend by her hair and pulled her away, and they thought I was her pimp, and I said, I'm calling the cops, and they said, don't call the cops. Just take care of this, like, man. It was so weird. I didn't know what I was doing. It is honestly fascinating to me that you've never gotten this shit kicked out of you. Thank it doesn't, you. It doesn't even add up, sort of. Like how? Like no, I, I'm smart. You know, like I was one at Monopoly. Uh, I can get out of situations. It's not that hard. So is it? Is it like a psychology? Because you seem to poke people right until a certain point, and then and then back away. Do, oh, do you just oh, yeah. know when to when to back off before people go over the top or something? Yeah, I mean it's just. Just having a little class and charm. Like I, I had a good thing going for a while. I was playing the circle game at airports and punching security uh, TSA agents. You know, once I got seven dudes, you know, just going through security, and it was just so fun because you know everyone everyone I, plays the circle game. The what game? Yeah, yeah. What is this game? Slugs. You know, you put you put a circle down, and if someone looks, you, you hit them. Oh right. You did you know this with game. TSA guys. Yeah, yeah, TSA guys. I don't know this game, Mike. I don't know this game. You put a circle down, and, and if you if someone looks, you get to slug them in the arm. <laughs> yeah, with but, your finger. You don't know that, Brad? I don't know this game. <laughs> you know, Brad. Oh, oh, Brad. Oh, Janet. Uh, so, but, uh, so I, this one guy saw me doing it, this huge dude, like the chief. He's like, don't do that. Because I did it to him. And he's like, that's not funny. I go, okay. Hey, I didn't hit you. You look, I go, you look though. And then, uh, <laughs> later in line, uh, some other dude looked at it and I punched him and the big guy grabbed me out of line. He's like, we're, yeah, you just hit a federal agent. You're going, you're going down. And I was like, uh, I'm so sorry, tall black man. So, you know, class, that's how you get out of it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no, I said, I'm so sorry, sir. It's like, I yeah. told you not to do that. I go, I'm so sorry, sir. He's like, well, you're not getting on this flight. You're going to jail. I'm like, uh, I understand, sir. You, know, you say a lot of sirs. It's cool. You just got to sir him. Sir him to death. That's, what I, that's the word I use with my dom. You know, I prefer sir to mistress or something. <laughs> Did you try to explain to these guys that you were playing the circle game? And like, yes. <laughs> well, Brad, most people know the circle game. That's, yeah, Brad, that's I don't kind know of how where are you from? You from some kind of square land? You are square, dude. He's from the country. He's from the country. I guess I am, man. I guess so. Wait, the Brad. Game. If you don't know that game, tell me at one point in your life that you've tipped or at least tried to tip a cow. <laughs> I I was not that hick, dude. Believe me, I had friends that tried to do that. Though. Did you say you're not that hip or hick? Not that hick. <laughs> No. <laughs> but I certainly I hung with people that did try to tip cows. I don't know Imagine that really cow tipping. You hung, you hung with hip, hipsters. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if cow tipping became hip with, like, the Williamsburg, Brooklyn crowd? I think it's a myth, know? dude. I don't know that you can do it. I have a friend who said he tried. <laughs> you have a friend. I don't, be- I don't even believe the first sentence you said. <laughs> you know what, Mike? About 40 minutes ago, you said I had a great reputation and a lot of friends. So no, no, I said people now spoke you- highly about you. I didn't say you had any friends. Oh, it's all a ruse? No. Well, see, now this is where you don't know. I'm going to get off this. And now I don't know. Too. I don't even know if it's true. Vanessa tells me that, that uh, you're well-liked. Well, by Vanessa. Oh, you guys did it, didn't you? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I Vanessa's forgot about just that. A wonderful, I forgot about that. Wonderful person. Never, 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 never. What, what do you mean, never? Yeah. She's hot. Stop it. You're not going to dig me into these holes. I'm like just going to go quiet on you. This is my fucking podcast. You're making me go quiet, Mike. She's with, she's with James Christ. anyway. I know she, who she's with. James won't kick your ass. Laura would, though. Hmm. I think they could both maybe do it. James has that, like, he's got that thing where, like, you know, he doesn't move very quickly. He doesn't get too excitable. And I think when he does, it could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, he's like an Eric Melvin. Eric Melvin's broken some noses, for sure. Yeah, I think James could could definitely take care of business if he had to. Um, What is your all-time punk lineup? You could choose drummer, guitar, bass, vocals for a punk rock all-time supergroup. Uh, well, as far as like, I'm not going to say talent. I'm going to say the punkest guys. Okay. It'd be Sam from Get Dead as a singer. Fletcher from Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, Dwayne Peters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he could be like the band of Boston's. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's perfect. Bass player? Fuck. I, I guess me? I'm kind of punk. All right. I like that group. And what about drummer? Bill Stevenson. Uh, well, he's punk, but he's not that fun. <laughs> uh, neither is Smelly. Who's a fun drummer? Uh, I know the guy. He played in uh, some band I can't think of. There you go. You know, what about you know what Dave? What about, you know what, big, about. what about Big Dave? Hell no. <laughs> I played a band with him. Forget that. Yeah, no more fun. Uh, I'm going to go back. Derek from Lagwagon. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, he's fucking punk as fuck. Hey, guys, I'm going to Safeway to score some heroin. You guys want anything? <laughs> You know, totally serious. It, it, we're, we're at Niagara, and he just got—he just scored a bottle of a hundred Valium, and he, he took one. I go, "Can I get one?" He's like, "No, nah, all I got is this." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dick! <laughs> he had a plan. Oh, he had a plan easy. for those. Well, speaking of Fletcher, can you tell me a little bit about uh, this this road trip you uh, took with your daughter and getting? Um, Getting stranded uh, at sea on Fletcher's boat? Well, I'm going to pee, so give me a second, right? I okay. can do that. Sure. Okay. You, you have editing, right? Oh, yeah. We'll cut it yeah. out. Ugh. Ow. Ugh. <laughs> Ow. Ugh. I just sent you guys a picture of what I'm wearing, huh? Well, you could paint me a picture with your words. 
we could use it for the for the website. Yeah, what what is your home just loafing around kind of clothes? What? Hello. Hello. We're here. You hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, send us a picture of your outfit, dude. Yeah, so what are you wearing? <laughs> I have Homer Simpson pajama bottoms on. Uh-huh. And a pink PVC robe. Pink P- PVC robe. Yeah. You don't get hot? Yeah, that's the thing about latex and leather. You get hot. Yeah. You got to deal with it. You don't have skin problems? You don't get a little rashy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, latex, it's the dumbest material. When, when it's cold outside, you get cold. When it's hot, you get sweaty and then cold. And But you get addicted to it. It's a, it's a good utility material. Listen, sexiness over function. Um, so hit me, hit me with this uh, being stranded to sea on Fletcher's boat. Well, uh, I picked up Darla, and Aaron's like, so where, where are you guys going? I go, I have no idea where we're going. I'll How see old is your daughter? Uh, she's 15 now. Okay. She was tw- she was twelve at the time. Okay, where are you guys going? I have no idea. I'll see you in twelve days. We're nice. <laughs> we're driving in California, and when we got back, she told Aaron. She goes, uh, "That was the best time I've had with Daddy ever." Oh, nice! And it was so fucking fun, and no plans. Like went to Hearst Castle. She's like, "Dad, this is so boring." I'm like, "Right? Yeah, let's go see a movie." <laughs> you know, like no rules. Went to the Queen Mary. She, she broke something. The thing that said "Don't touch the big boat." You know, you know she oh, broke shit. it. <laughs> and then uh, I called Fletcher and go, "Hey, I'm in town. Can you take me and Darla out for a boat ride?" He's like, uh, "Okay." You want to take my friend's big boat, or you want to take my shitty boat? I'm going to take your boat, dude. Come on. So he packs up a bunch of beers, a few people, his girlfriend, his niece, and we go out. He can't fit in the bathroom. The first thing that happened is he peed in a cup, he threw it overboard, and it just came back and it all landed in his girlfriend's face. (laughs) That was awesome. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And then we're swimming, and we go back, and there's a big boat, so he tries to jump the wake, and he jumps, he he goes too far left. So it's just like, he, uh, we just turn sideways all of a sudden, and he flies across the boat, lands into me, and the, the boat breaks. Oh, so we're, we're just stuck in the ocean now. And uh, and how far out are you? Like, can you not even see land? Like, We, we can see land, but uh, we couldn't call anyone. And it was just, it was perfect. <laughs> so me and Fletcher started drinking, and his girlfriend's all pissed. And Darla's like, Dad, this is so boring. Can we go see a movie? <laughs> <laughs> and a, a helicopter had to come, and it was, it was perfect. Well, I... Did you climb like the the like rope ladder of a helicopter or something like like it literally no. pulled you off the boat like that? No, the helicopter came and it almost landed, but then a big great white shark grabbed it and pulled it under. It was awesome, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's footage of it somewhere. I'm I love sure. it when that happens. Yo, California man, Cali. <laughs> but it totally broke the boat. Yeah. So do you have to get towed in for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. So how long were you out there? I don't know, a couple hours. Whatever, it don't matter. What else are you gonna do? Hey man, you gotta know when to adapt. And 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 Darla, she I, uh, she learned the whole soundtrack to Rocky Horror on the trip. So we were singing those songs, and then she made me listen to Hamilton. So 
<laughs> I, I kind of learned a couple of those songs. That's awesome. God, my kids can sing all of those freaking songs. I don't the know King song they... is great, right? The yeah, King song is awesome. They're really good. I mean, yeah, it's great stuff. It's just like, I, it's so many, I guess it's a testament. I should be proud that they can remember that many fucking words. Yeah, they know all that stuff. And they haven't been to see it. You remember how to hit drums and stuff. <laughs> Benny. Who, me? <laughs> nah, fuck those things. I'm done. I'm retired. You are? Yeah. This, you're I'm making a, a living off this show? Yeah. Yeah. Paying the mortgage and everything. Well, I'm I'm actually kind of counting on this episode to really get us over the hump, Mike. So thanks uh, for being so charming, you know? I, I can I can bring up some ratings, but but everyone listen to my podcast. <laughs> I have Jim Powers, King of Bukaki. Um What's that? You I will, go, I will check it out. Bread? I will check it out. I didn't know you had a show going. Yeah, we will. We'll plug uh, it. Yeah, I have some segments too. <laughs> some segments. <laughs> Do you like uh, ask people uh, like questions and then they like uh, try to give you answers? Well, yeah, I just I but I, br- I bring up people I know what the, the the dark secrets. Oh, okay. Ooh. And you make and them tell their dark secrets. I have a segment called uh, "You Totally Ripped Off My Song, Bro." <laughs> and uh, like the first segment, I called Jay Bentley because Bad Religion totally ripped off, stick it in my eye. And <laughs> and he's like, yep, I knew it. Because he called me in the studio. I was like, Greg's making me play this. It sounds just like stick it in my eye. And then, you know, <laughs> then I called Sublime. Did you and, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's a good segment. Sweet. All right. I'm definitely going to check it out. <laughs> so I'm going fu- to fucking call all the bands that Green Day ripped off. And pretend I'm Billy Joe. How many bands is that? Mm. Is it a lot? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know you know what they say, Benny. What? About good artists and great artists, right? Listen, don't don't bring me back into this conversation <laughs> in regard to this. I don't want to get in there. There's um, <laughs> artists and then there's Jewish artists. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what you're saying, Brad? Ain't Country going boy? there. I'm not going what there. The <laughs> I bet what you're going to say is some artists rip off bands, some artists... Rip off like a vibe. That's not what I was going to say. But <laughs> were gonna, what were we gonna everybody, say? everybody, there's only so much you can write, and it's and it's true that Bullshit. some great artists steal. It's fine. Bullshit. I don't. I don't buy that at all. Really? No. I. I not at all. I mean, uh, okay. Chord progressions I use, and and some rhythms, like California Drought. You show me a band that's used that rhythm before. I'm gonna rip or, it off. You know, like, or or eat the meek. You know, it's sixteen chords in the verse, sixteen chords in a different order in the second verse, and then a different order in the third verse. Bands don't do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. If you're going to play three or four chords, sure, you can't go in that many directions. But the Beatles didn't rip anybody off, and and still no one can touch the Beatles. Punk rock Radiohead. Is that what you are? Fuck Radio, are you kidding me? <laughs> one one good song and it turns out that they fucking ripped it off from someone. <laughs> Unless you count Don't Leave Me High, Don't Leave Me Dry. Oh my god, what a terrible band. <laughs> I mean seriously. I if you're in a band where everyone knows what your best song is, that's Radiohead. <laughs> and that's right though. Is that true? Um. Yeah. Everyone thinks "Creep" is their best song. Well, yeah, it's true. Well, then, then you're not a great band if you have one song that's great. Right. 
Uh, yeah. Depends. Depends. No, name name a great band that has one song that's better than the rest. Can't do it. Oh no, no. I, I'm I'm it's personally going to. Or I Beatles, make, or uh, you know, that what anyone? Bad Religion. They all they have great songs. So therefore, Radiohead are a bunch of fucking stupid bulimics. Should have been a one-hit wonder. You're saying. They are one hit wonder. <laughs> so speaking of great songs, how'd you get hooked up with Frank Turner? And why why did you guys do this this record together? I lost a bet. To whom? Frank? F- Fletcher. So how did that go? No. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it all started when we were in my dungeon downtown with me and Frank and Dave Haas. Mm-hmm. And me and Frank and, and Dave was saying how all I need is one hit song and I'll, I'll be up there with you guys. And we're like, that's what you don't get, Dave, is you need 12 great songs for one album. That's when you start to become popular. And we told him he should start learning minor chords and stuff. And you know what? On um, He did. Dave Haas has gotten to be a pretty good songwriter. Yeah, very good songwriter, I would say. So Didn't start, didn't start off that way, though. It was all... I'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. You know. But Frank writes great songs. He always liked no effects songs. He used to cover them. We used to cover Glory Hallelujah. Oh, so okay. I, we were playing a big festival. I said, dude, let's do a split record. Like, like no effects and Rancid did with less bass lines. And he was, and strangely enough, more bass lines than Rancid still. <laughs> And did, have you heard did, it? Yeah, I listened to it. I think it's pretty awesome, actually. Do you? Thanks. I do. Yeah, I think it's fun. I, I mean, I, I am a big. Some of the songs, some of Frank's early songs in particular, like you know, we toured with him, you know, uh, really early on when he was just getting like his solo career started and not playing with a band yet. So there's a couple of those early songs that just have like a very. Uh, deep, you know, connection with me that I just like to hear. Worst uh, things happen at sea, right? That song's so good. It's insane. Like there are a couple of old Frank songs that actually like uh, make me cry a little bit. You know, uh, I love. I'm a huge fan of, of Frank, and but I think the best song on the record is his cover of "Falling in Love." He fucking killed it. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And and did you know Frank for a long time before you guys did that? Yeah, yeah, we know each other for like I don't know six or seven years. Tony Sly introduced us. Oh, okay. And uh, Soma, my ex, she used to be his wingman. Like, we'd go to bars, mm. and she'd pick up chicks and talk great about him. And then, you know, so she would kind of pimp him out. Wow, that's a gangster job. <laughs> Once we were uh, at Reading Festival, hanging out with Queens, and, and Frank was all wasted. I go, Frank, don't embarrass me. <laughs> and... uh and yeah, he, he was just talking as we all do. And uh, Josh is like, "Dude, who the fuck is this guy? Get him out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> he had some kind of a sign with his manager, and his manager goes, "Hey, uh, Josh, you got an interview. Got to go." <laughs> oh, really? He had like a pull the ear, get me yeah, out of yeah. here kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I love Josh. We played with his old band Caius in in the eighties, yeah, Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. So all those people you know from the 80s that you always stay friends with. 
I mean, that guy, I don't know him very well. I've only met a couple of times, but he kind of seems like a real punk rocker, even though he hasn't really taken on the music too much. Would, would you think that's true? Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he, I guess he could be an asshole, but I, I enjoy his company a lot. Yeah. And he seems like a badass. Well, he's a badass. He'll, he will fucking break a bottle in your head for no reason. What was the interview the other day? We were talking about what Josh Homie and Fletcher, right? Was it Matt from the Bronx was saying, like, what oh, yeah. would happen if, if yeah, yeah, Josh yeah. Homie and Fletcher had it at after Josh, each other? Josh would win. He would, you think? Oh yeah, Josh is from fucking the, the desert. Oh, he's got that. that he's got he's got meth. Kind he's of thing got going meth. On. Yeah, yeah. Meth. Fletcher has beer. <laughs> meth always wins over beer. God. <laughs> you know, one way or the other, it's gonna win. <laughs> That's my other T-shirt. I got yeah, so many T-shirts out of this show, man. But, but see, being being the the funny Jew, I would break up that fight and make money somehow. <laughs> guys, guys, I got an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got- <laughs> Fat Records presents Josh versus Fletcher. You know who's stoked? Is fucking Aaron, my ex-wife from Fat Records, because it was actually Frank's idea. He's like, let's just do this on Fat Records. That'd be awesome. I'm like. Okay, you know, big smile on the inside, right? Like, yeah, fucking score. And uh, Brett Gerwitz did call me <clears throat> the day after he announced, giving me shit about something else. How come you're not supporting Black Lives Matter, Mike? Dude, I'm passing out needles in downtown LA. What are you talking about? Well, I don't see it on the No Effects web uh, on your Instagram. Well, it's because I'm passing out needles. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this is about Frank Turner on Fat Records, isn't it? Because you know, he, he was on Epitaph for a while. He was subtweeting you. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't catch it at first. That's sly. Fucking Jews, man. Hey, what are you going to do? Anyway, Aaron's stoked because uh, this is our biggest record in years. Is it? I don't know. Maybe it's Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Not sure. Well, Frank is a hit, no matter how you slice it. But yeah, hey man, that's awesome. of fans all over the world. Hey Mike, I got nothing left for you, man. You got anything for us? Did I do okay? Yeah. Did you do okay? You were you were very typically you, Mike. It was perfect. I kind of talked over you guys a lot, but I guess that's what the guest is supposed to do. You got to yeah, do that because Benny will. But let me let me tell you, Benny will just keep going. Yeah, you give me a little free air time. I'll just fill it up, baby. Oh, That's shit. He's like the guy in Love Line that isn't Dr. Drew. Adam Carolla. <laughs> yeah, Adam Carolla. Yes, I, I like that. That guy that. turned into kind of a dick, didn't Adam he? Adam Carolla. No, dude, I, I did Love Line a couple times, and Adam Carolla was definitely worse. First, you got this incompetent, fucking boring-ass doctor that uh, doesn't know shit. Yeah. And, and then... uh the guy who was talking about how to seal an envelope for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not your favorite program, huh? Uh, can, I put, well, can I put love line in the keywords for this show? Well, between the two of you, you know, thanks for the boost of confidence the last hour and a half. I feel great. <laughs> I had a really nice time. And I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And I, I finished my plate of rice, too. Oh, yeah, no, that's tell. it's quite appropriate. We um we've actually had reviews where people said these guys eat a lot during their show. So well, we- rice is the perfect food to eat during an interview. It falls out of your mouth, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it doesn't make any noise. Nice nachos sucks.
Um, well, yeah, it's good to hear from you, dude. And uh, okay, one last thing. Yo, I did an interview for Billboard once in a cage with a hood on, in chains, with my head coming out of the fucking thing, and the phone on the ground. <laughs> Well, now I feel slighted. <laughs> you Sorry, just, I didn't mean to slight you. you well, now just I feel say. like you just didn't give it your all. You just gave us rice, you know? Well, she's she's not here yet, guys. All right. We should have booked it later. She, I, yeah. I could have done, done like a DP on me while I'm doing the interview. Yeah. I'll, I'll email Vanessa, even though I'm afraid to speak to her now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Brad, next time I see you, we'll hang out. Yeah. And Benji, you know. <laughs> Take it easy there, guy. <laughs> no, no uh, thanks you guys for having me on. It was it was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for uh, doing thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. Phew. All right. <laughs> okay. We get through that okay? Oh, uh, yeah. I, um, I mean, there might be like 75 people who listen to this interview and go, Fat Mike talks shit about me because he <laughs> talks shit about like 175 people in the course of an hour. He did. He, did, he did manage to squeeze in a lot, didn't he? Yeah. A lot of he got to, covered a lot of bases. And uh, some people where I, you know, when it happened, I'm like, no, don't don't do that. Because now I have to talk to this person if you're mean, you know, but <laughs> uh, but I guess this is all promoting that that record we talked about towards the end. No effects. Friend of the show, Frank Turner. Oh, yeah. They did their West Coast versus Wessex split covering each other's songs, which are honestly really cool. I mean, I love, like I was saying in the interview, there are a few Frank Turner songs that are very much connected with like a time and a place for me. Like they're not just albums. You know, we toured together so much that I have these sort of like real preternatural connections to a couple of his songs. So hearing him in a no effects format is it's pretty fun, actually. Oh, that's and cool. I think, and obviously Frank grew up like a punk rocker, so him taking on new no effects songs was super natural. Sometimes when these things come out, they're not natural or fun, and this was both. You could tell there's a mutual respect, and they both sound like themselves. It's cool. It's yeah, a good record. Definitely I think check, it out, check it out for sure. Um, I'm sure Fat Records and No Effects has social media sites. Uh, you can find those on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Search for no effects. It'll be the right one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that was fun. Sort of having him on. It was emotionally trying. Benny, you handled it very well. Thanks, man. <laughs> I told you. It took me like 48 hours to get over this and just be like, all right, I'm okay. I'm okay again. You know? <laughs> this is very taxing. I'm not doing a fat mic interview again for like two more years. You, that's okay. That's fine. We can, we can wait. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have someone gentle. Someone gentle next week, you know? Oh, yeah. It is going to be a good one next week. I need it. Yeah, it is fun next week. Fun interview next week. Uh, we mentioned in the beginning we have a Patreon now with some cool extra content. I learned to post on there. Brad posted naked picture of me on there. <laughs> uh, we have some extra no effects video content we'll throw maybe, up there. Maybe. If I feel maybe. like it, it works. It's a bit okay. odd, but... Um, yeah, but we got a couple cool things to, to toss up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Brad, how are you doing? You're, you're out in the country? You got out of the city? Finally, yeah. Uh, upstate for two weeks. Okay. Feeling good? Feeling very good. I'm down in the rec room. This is kind of the perfect house if you have kids because uh. it's in, it is in the country. It's a friend of ours who's been very gracious to lend it to us. But 
they got a pool, um, and then there's this freaking rec room down here. So, what do you got? Like bill billiards? Can you, you, see, you can't table? see behind me. No, there's the, a, oh, it's ping, a pong? ping pong table. There you go. There's an Xbox in front of me. There's a there's an Epiphone electric guitar with an amp over there in the corner, which is good. My kids are both trying to get yeah. into guitar and bass. Yeah, yeah. Are you Oscar, guiding like, them demanded. towards it or away from it? Oh yeah, no. It's they're both they're actually both good drummers, and I need to get them lessons. And I know you actually offered at one point, which is very nice. I don't know no logistically how we could make that happen, but it would be brilliant. Um, just play them Led Zeppelin physical graffiti. That's all I would do. Yeah. All I would do is just rock that record really loud. Put it in the cans. Well, bang you know, my head and kind of top along. You know, so. they both love ACDC. And, I, yeah. and I've told them a million times, I'm like, you know, this is way harder than it sounds. I go, I still don't think I've played with a drummer that could actually play this a beat this straight for a whole song. <laughs> it's always the same. It's always, you just, it's your instinct to just start playing it faster. Yeah. That's the whole thing with the ACDC beat. It's not fast. No. It's not it's fast, slow. and it's so yeah. simple. Yeah. It's so hard, dude. I feel like the only way I could do it is if, you know, in the studio or or live, you know, I had the engineer, you know, either in my monitor or in my heads, I'm like, make my snare so long, like stadium long. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so if I heard it like that, like a Def Leppard song where it's going like, then I think I could I could bang it out slow. But if they were like dry drums or something, and that's I'd the funny thing, that their first records fast. had those dry drums. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I mean, I even remember hearing somebody in an interview, like some big rock star, talking about like this record came out, and like these guys were rocking. It was like Lemmy or somebody. He's like they're rocking so hard, and the drums are dry, bone dry. <laughs> and he's like nobody was making drums sound like that back then. They wanted the yeah. big, you know, like. Right. And like yeah. these guys had the hardest rocking sound with dry drums. Yeah. That's a testament to how fucking awesome. For sure. And, you know, I'm so weird with music. It's like I've been hearing ACDC for a million years. And, you know, I've only paid attention to a couple things. They're sort of almost like pop songs to me because yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. so part of my narrative. Right. And the other day I'm watching a live video with them and I'm like, wait. Oh, yeah, the guitars are supposed to be the most impressive thing in ACDC, right? So, like, literally for the first time in my life, I honed in on the guitars in ACDC. And I'm like, oh, shit, this rips. Like, yeah. these are good-ass riffs, man. Yeah. I, it's so weird that it never – I'm like, this is a guitar band. I should really be listening to the guitar more. And you, you know? know what's great about their riffs is, like, my kids can play the riffs. The riffs are yeah. really easy. But, like – why the fuck could they get away with them? You know, like, yeah, it's like, but their time, you could yeah. still put that riff to a rock song and it fucking smokes. Yeah. Like, like you have to, you have to do something weird to fuck I, up. that. I tell riff you the secret you know? to ACDC is the restraint that everybody. Yeah. That's what it is because like the drums full on restraint. The fact that like he could just play sure. kick snare, kick snare for the whole fucking song and then even the guitars, like, there's so much space between, yeah. like, when you listen to all the parts that they're playing, it's so, you know, any young guitar player is going to throw so many fills in between. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah, they're not, no good with space. Yeah. But I, I won't I won't go ahead and say the vocals are understated. Oh, no, no. I, it's, yeah, like, it's like basically like, he's basically like rapping <laughs> in like, in like, it's got it. 
Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a little. I'm not going to say he was subtle, at <laughs> no, all, or no. they they were subtle. Excuse me. Yeah, anyway, but I don't think we need to, yeah ACDC. If you ever yeah, heard of them, if you never heard them, check them out. <laughs> Hey, check out their socials. Uh, <laughs> I think they're on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. All right, so that was fun. Thanks to Mike for doing that. Thanks to Vanessa for setting it up and even getting shit talked about her while it was happening. <laughs> I had, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was cool, man. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Check out Mike's podcast for sure. I didn't. Right. I haven't checked it out yet. I didn't realize he was doing one, but. Um... It's probably worth checking out. To, yeah, I'm sure. The least thing you could say about I'm it. I'm sure. I'm um, sure. Yeah. Thanks, Mike, for doing this. And um, yeah, appreciate it. And thank you all for listening and being such great fans. Hey, Brad. Ben. Thanks for being you. Thanks for being you, Benny. Aww. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.